Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 28 of The Bank. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. You guys can check us out at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Uh, we both write articles um, over there as well as um, you can catch us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, and we're here to talk about the Ravens. And, um, you know, Gabe, I feel like a broken record. I think if you went back and listened to like the last five or six podcasts, I start all these out the same way, which is that the Ravens are a terribly inconsistent team that wins. And if you look at the final margin and you look at the wins and losses, everything looks fine and everything looks great. But, you know, when you're actually watching these games, it still feels like when we're looking back that, that there is just, they just still, it's not clicking yet. Yeah. I mean, I think we still see on a weekly basis, there are these plays that just are, you know, doomed to doomed from the start. Like they're just, there's something that goes wrong. Either somebody is completely destroyed on a block or the, somebody doesn't know where they're supposed to be going. They run the wrong route. Um, I think there's an early example in this past week. Um, it was the first first series, and there was this pitch play to that Dobbins was supposed to take the pitch from Jackson, and then they both looked at each other and like, were like, oh, what do we do? And then the play got blown up. Somebody like penetrated from the offensive line, and it was, it was over. Um, that's the kind of thing that we were seeing in week one, week two. And we're like, okay, you know, it's like COVID off season. They didn't really have time to like figure these things out. They didn't really get the normal like reps you would get in the preseason training camp, et cetera. But we're in what week 10 now, <laughs> we just finished week nine. Like those things shouldn't be cropping up still. We should know what the plays are going to be and we should know what we're supposed to be doing. Um, occasionally blocking mistakes will happen. You'll get beat from time to time. But the like mental mistakes and like the little things in terms of execution uh, should should not be cropping up at the rate that they are. Yeah, you know that play in particular drove me absolutely bonkers. <laughs> um, in particular, because like you, they absolutely looked at each other like they didn't know what was supposed to be happening and what they were supposed to be doing. There was a missed block on the offensive line, or a guy just got beat really badly. I mean, they still could have picked up that first down. I think that's what drove like like that is the microcosm of the Raven season. That that play and the margin of victory and and the really big win over the Colts. I mean, look, don't you know. I'm looking at this team through a Super Bowl lens. I I, I want to see, you know, I was wildly, I've been disappointed since the Kansas City game because one, I wagered a lot of money on the Kansas City game and, and they didn't <laughs> even show up. Like, like, I don't care that they lost, but they, they didn't even show up to that game. That was an F performance, hard stop for me. Um, so yeah, that bothered me. But in addition to that, like, this is a, like, you know, Super Bowl or bust is putting it as too much, I think. You know, it's not Super Bowl or bust. I think that this team can still be very good and still be very fun to watch. Um, but we're not seeing that right now. Like last year, last season, what was so great about the regular season? What wasn't just that they were 14 and two, but like every game was at least on the offensive side of the ball, a clinic about some new wrinkle or some new thing or how they were executing and what they were doing was something that was really like fresh and innovative and fun. And 
for me as a football fan, that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, this team is not fun to watch right now. I mean, I think the de- on the defensive side of the ball, they're definitely fun to watch, but on the offensive side of the ball, it's just, it's just, it's just hard to watch them um, continue to do some of the things that they're doing over and over. But, you know, let's talk about the defense first in the league. I believe in, well, I know they're first in the league in points allowed. I think they're first in the league in forced fumbles. I think they're first in the league in defensive touchdowns scored and they're first in the league in some other very impressive statistic. Um, and this is a defense that is, is, as you called it to start the year, probably the best defensive in the league this year. Yeah, they're doing everything really well. They have excellent guys on the back end in coverage. Um, the one thing that they haven't done as well as I thought they might is catch the ball on defense. They've dropped a lot of their interceptions. And I think if some of those had gone the other way, it would be even more impressive in terms of the turnovers that they're able to generate. But, um, even still, they they are still you know creating turnovers. They've like you said they force a lot of fumbles. They have returned um, turnovers for touchdowns. Um, the defense is playing at an elite level, and it's you know it's back to kind of like the Ravens you know bread and butter. You know play play really good defense. Um, you know have some moments on offense that that give you the like the lead, and and then you just don't relinquish it. You you get off front and, and don't give up. So. I think that's kind of the the mold right now. Um, I think there is another level that they can get to if if the offense does start playing at a better level, but we haven't really seen that at a, on a consistent basis. Um, but yeah, it, it's the defense. They have talent at, at you know all different levels. We've seen obviously the defensive line play really well. Um, Calais Campbell has been a huge addition. He, he got hurt in this past game, which is unfortunate. He's going to probably miss, you know, a handful of games. And that's tough because, you know, the Ravens are probably in the hardest stretch of, of their schedule right now. So that's not great, but the Ravens do have depth. You know, they have a lot of good talent up front. They traded for Yannick Ngakwe, and he's been a nice player who's allowed them to be a little bit more, um, you know, a little, a little bit more uh, multiple up front and be, do some different things with their pass rush, not have to rely on what's quite so much. And I think that's going to be a difference maker for this team down the stretch. Um, and obviously, you know, they have some players that are contributing that are, you know, first-year players. You know, we saw Patrick Queen, obviously, he's been a, a rookie. He's been playing starting from, from week one. I think he's had his ups and downs, but I think he's kind of progressed over, over the season. I think he's gotten a little better. He's gotten a little more comfortable in this role. Um, we've seen Justin Matabike kind of step into a larger role. He's someone who I think is going to obviously take on um, a more important dynamic in this, in this team in this defense now that Campbell's out. And then we saw um, Lee Harrison have a really nice game as a starter next to Patrick Queen this past week. And I think, you know, as, as they get healthier, Towards the end of the season, I would like to hope that the defense will come together and hopefully we'll get Anthony Averett back, the cornerback. That's really the biggest issue with the team right now is the depth of cornerback. But even with Marlon Humphrey not starting last week because of his positive COVID test, uh, the secondary still played really well. You know, you still have Jimmy Smith, who's in his, what, 10th, 11th season, locking down people on the outside. Uh, Marcus Peters had one of his best games as a Raven. And, you know, this is something that, they're just going to have to count on if they're going to, you know, get far this season. Yeah. Well, Marcus Peters certainly could use more interception calls like the one he got last week. Um, But I think, you know, I think you're right. 
you know, you look at the last two weeks and I think the Ravens defense has performed pretty well. Um, even in the Pittsburgh game where there were a few lapses, um, that was also a game without Matt Judon. I imagine that the game plan as they built it for that game revolved a, ro- a lot around how they wanted to use Judon and Ngakwe to slow down that quick passing game of Pittsburgh. Um, in stretches where I think Judon and Ngakwe would have stayed on the field together, um, when Pittsburgh went up tempo and no huddle, they didn't have that. And so I think that held them back a little bit. And then the following week, obviously Campbell went down, I think on the second or third drive of the game, it was, it was pretty first early. So he, yeah. Or the first drive. Yeah. So he missed the entire game. Um, Humphrey missed the entire game. Um, obviously we've got a lot of other injuries that they've had across the board and the Ravens defense still performed really well. Now, the Colts aren't that great at wide receiver. Um, so I think that helped in terms of Humphrey's ass- absence, but they have been effective at running the ball this year and Campbell's absence seemed to go without significant impact in the short term. Um, so that's definitely something that we need to keep our eye on for this upcoming week. You know, does Humphrey adjust back well after kind of missing practice after having COVID after kind of missing those parts, but yeah, I think some of these rookies and the contributors on defense, we, we need to continue to see them step up and take on a bigger role. Um, I want to see more from I want to see more from Harrison, for example. I thought he, um, you know, I thought he played really well last week. And I think Justin Ellis was the guy that really stepped up in Calais Campbell's absence, was able to kind of help fill in along that defensive line. And, you know, I, I, I didn't take a close look at this when I'm watching film, but I imagine Ellis took brandon williams snaps and nose tackle and and brandon williams versatility came into play yet again um and he's a pretty maligned player (laughs) in in raven's lore i think over the last three years because he signed a deal that was at the top end for defensive tackles and he's not that kind of defensive tackle that you would want to see the pass rush presence for for the kind of money that he got um but in a lot of ways you could argue that his dependability and his ability to play a couple different types of defensive tackle positions has made him really invaluable in keeping the Ravens defense ticking when they do have injuries along their defensive line. Yeah. Williams is one of those kind of unsung players for sure on, on this team. And he's obviously been around for quite a while, similar to Jimmy Smith. He's one of the veterans on the team and he, you know, he just does his job. He's, he's not someone who's going to be quite the, super effective pass rusher. And I think, you know, he's even seen a downtick in the number of, of snaps he's getting, especially in those pass rush um, scenarios. But he is someone who is, you know, very, very consistent. Um, he does, you know, what you expect from him week in and week out. He's, he's very good against the run. You know, he can generate a little bit of a pass rush if he, especially if he's in like one-on-one and not being double teamed. And I think that, um, he's just someone that the Ravens clearly are going to have to rely on, um, along with who mentioned Matabike. Um, I, w- I would imagine someone like like um, Jihad Ward is probably not going to be a a uh, game day inactive with with Campbell out um, because he can play a little bit of that defensive line position. He can do a little bit of pass rushing from the inside. He's got decent size, um, so they might use him more as a defensive end, even though tackle as opposed to the outside linebacker role. Um, and then, you know, you have a guy like Derek Wolf, who, who's been, he's missed a little bit of time this year, but the Ravens brought him in, um, one year contract. They thought he would be, you know, a good reliable veteran. And I think he's filled that role pretty well. You know, he hasn't been exceptional in terms of, of his, his pass rush. Um, but he's been a solid run defender. Um, I think he's someone who definitely is a big part to what gives the Ravens, you know, 
the presence that they have up front. He's physical, he's strong, he's just a run defender. And you put, you know, him along with some of the other players that they have, and, and you have a, a very, very um, talented front. So I think that the Ravens will be okay without Campbell. Um, you have other players who are going to step up. And then you have depth everywhere else. You know, you have a good core of linebackers. You have obviously one of the best secondaries in the NFL. And, you know, put that all together. And even without one of your best players, you still are able to play at a very high level. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the offense for a second, because there were uh, there was something interesting that I saw in the game I want to ask you about last week. But let's start first with Rich Eisen's show and uh, something we heard from Lamar Jackson today, um, which is something which is something that I've been saying, which is that Lamar came out and said the defenses are ahead of the Ravens, that they know what they're trying to do. They know what they're going to call and that they have a good sense of what those are going to be. And, you know, the article I read about this referenced a couple examples where the linebacker that had the interception in the Steelers game said that he knew that they were going to run that route. He saw them run that combination out of that formation in the first half of that game. I mean, the Ravens certainly shouldn't be calling plays that like that, particularly um, that aren't, that aren't working to really high effect multiple times in a game. There are enough calls when you're only running 60 plays a game that they shouldn't be duplicating some of these things for one. But so we also heard the same thing from Cincinnati when they said that, you know, we knew where the keys were. We know where Lamar was looking. We knew what the tendencies were and, and we played them because the Ravens don't deviate from them. Um, And, you know, maybe those weren't the exact words, but that's kind of what I heard from that. You know, what's your take on Lamar's call on all this? So I think he's right. And I think it's, basically been the same thing for a year and a half now. And, you know, there was a lot of chatter um, that teams would figure out Lamar Jackson. And I think teams have kind of figured out Greg Roman because this is the offense that hasn't really evolved that way we thought it would. Um, And I think the Ravens were counting on being a more dynamic passing attack this year and not having to rely so much on their, their run game and, that hasn't really come to fruition, um, partially because the offensive targets in terms of passing game aren't necessarily there for for Jackson, um, and also because the pass blocking isn't where you would want it to be. So some of the things that you want to do in the passing game are limited, um, and then the running game has obviously been limited as well, um, and that's because last year they were just executing at such a high level. They had such elite players along the offensive line. They were playing at one of the best I think the Ravens offensive line was, was a big part of, of why they were so successful last year. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, they had elite talent across the board, you know, and then you lose a guy like Marshall Yonda. Now they're without Ronnie Stanley. Mascara isn't the same player he was last year. Um, and all of a sudden what was once, you know, one of the best offensive lines in, in the football is now maybe like an average, just slightly above average offensive line if we catch him on a good day. And, the Ravens really weren't that dynamic when, when what they were doing last year. They were running a lot of the same play. They kind of dressed it up differently. They used motions. They used slightly different formations. But at, at the you know long and short of it, they were basically running a handful of the same plays over and over again. And teams just weren't able to defend it. Um, I think teams have figured out how to defend it. They're stacking the box a lot. I mean, we see a lot of eight-man boxes. Not that they weren't doing that last year, but I think it's now – making it harder for the Ravens to to win at the level that they were winning last year because um, they don't have the talent to overcome what they were doing last year. So it's just, it's an issue with 
with talent. And I think it's an issue of not being able to take the next step into making the offense better. So you think that if Marshall Yonda and Matt Skura, let's say, were playing at the level they were before the injury and hadn't retired, I got that backwards, but it, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, if you think that if that were the case, the Ravens would even calling the same plays they called now be as successful as they were last year? I don't know if they would be as successful, but I think there would be a much smaller drop off because I, I think when you lose someone who's playing at an all pro level and you have someone who's playing at a, you know, bottom half of the league level to replace him, that's, that's a huge drop off. And even if you are going to call the same plays, you aren't getting the same execution. So the things that Marshall Yonda was able to do last year in terms of, you know, the combination blocks, the ability to help out in pass protection, just the kind of the veteran know, know how in terms of like the timing and the, you know, just the execution isn't there with the current offensive line. And that might be something that the Ravens can get a little bit of better production from if they, you know, maybe shake up the offensive line, maybe if some players start playing a little better, but I don't think that they're going to get the, you know, the same level of, of performance out of anybody that they have currently on the roster. Combine that with the fact that they aren't doing anything much different. They're running the same plays um, and they're doing that week in and week out. They aren't really like doing anything that's very game plan specific or team specific. It doesn't seem like they're not really attacking teams where they're weak. They're kind of just trying to say, this is what we do and we're going to do it. And when you do that, other teams know what you're going to throw at them and they can, you know, defend that pretty easily because they see it week in and week out on tape. It's not something that's new anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know where I come down on the answer on that because the offensive line has certainly been a problem. Matt Skura is, look, if the Ravens have a play that's blown up that requires any kind of time for Lamar, whether it's a delayed quarterback run or some kind of pass or, um, you know, an option and, you need to find Matt Skura, look on the ground and you'll find him. Um, and, and that's where a lot of these plays like the sack that, um, you know, I, I went back and saw a clip of the play where the Ravens ran. It was like a, they were in a pistol or I think they were either pistol or under center, but it was like strong side with Ricard in the backfield along with the running back. They ran three guys into route. So they had seven guys, six and a half, like they had the running back on play action. He chipped. So you've got play action in theory to slow down the pass rush. You've got six pass blockers in, in addition to a chipping running back. And you had pressure on Lamar almost immediately on the play. So it's hard for me to argue with you that that's a complete lack of success on the Ravens part. Like those plays in particular, are the ones that just make my mind explode because the line was sliding, right? So you have Nick Boyle blocking um, Muhammad by himself, which is should never happen in and of itself. Right. Um, and you have the extra two blockers. So it's like, let everybody block their guy. And if somebody gets beat, somebody gets beat, but I don't, you know, and maybe that's Lamar's call on how the line slides. Maybe not. Um, but you know, the Ravens far too often are letting a guy on the edge, either come free or be only blocked by a tight end when it's an elite pass rusher, or even just a, a good to very good pass rusher. And they're beating Nick Boyle because he's not an offensive lineman and it's absolutely destroying some of these plays. So it's hard for me to figure out if that is the root of the problem, like these, you know, bad calls and like bad offensive line sets, or whether it's actually direct bad offensive line play that's subtracting from it. But there's no doubt that the offensive line is 
part of the problem right now. Um, obviously, we can't go back and we can't get Marshall Yanda back for one more season. So, um, you know, we'll never really know. But it's been frustrating to watch. And, and I'm interested to see if the Ravens make more adjustments on the offensive line in the coming weeks. So I think all you have to do is look at the negative plays that the Ravens have whether it's sacks or running plays that go for zero yardage or negative yardage. And I think there was a stat like last year, Gus Edwards had like, like what, like two, two rushes that went for negative yards the entire season. Yeah. 65 before he had one and like 50, I think before. I think this season, the Ravens have had like 25 runs that have gone for zero or negative yards. Um, And that's, and they also have, I think Lamar has taken probably the same amount of sacks that he has through eight games that he had all last year. So that right there points to lack of execution on the offensive line, blocking in general. Um, part of that, you know, could be scheme. It could be like teams knowing tendencies and knowing how to attack it. But I think a large part of it is just clearly, you know, execution by the players. You see guys getting knocked down, like offensive linemen, like you said, mascara on the ground. Like there was that play last last week where um, Lamar actually scored a touchdown, right? That the bootleg where he he was able to score the touchdown because of Mark Andrews' incredible block. Two offensive linemen got knocked on their butt by one defensive tackle. And we were laughing at it, but it's that's the kind of play that the Ravens have had kill them this year. They've had they've had that play where the where the running back struggles to get back to the line of scrimmage because the offensive lineman is is not able to make the block or he's getting knocked three yards into the backfield. And that's not something that I don't think can get fixed. You have to fix it with scheming up different ways of attacking teams. You can't just run the same play and not be as talented. Well, and it's also part of the predictability of these parts too, you know, like, and not that the world and real life football is Madden, but there's a, there's an ability in Madden to like make a guess at run or pass. And if you guess wrong, like, and you are, you're guessing like, you guess pass and they're running, your guys get blocked much more easily and knocked over by offensive linemen. But at the same time, if you guess run, your defensive linemen are a little bit more likely to win, but everybody commits to the run. And I think that the Ravens have a little bit of that going on. You know, part of why we saw that double pancake um, on that play was also because the Colts are good on the interior of their defensive line. And they, they were absolutely selling out for the run because they thought that there was no chance the Ravens were going to try and pass the ball in that situation. Um, and it lets a guy kind of cut loose. And, you know, you, you hear the same thing in like, you know, down and distance, you know, with the Ravens, everyone's like, they're going to get more sacks because they're going to be playing with the lead more and they're going to be able to like pin their ears back and rush the passer. Um, you know, same with the five wide sets that the Ravens like to run. Like there's no deception. Like teams know what Lamar's tendencies look like on tape in there. Now they're ready for those and they're trained up for those. And so you've got to, you know, I, I, that's just, you know, that's why I asked the question to begin with. I think that it's a really interesting, you know, hypothetical question around now that there's enough film on this, can you vary it up enough to make both the new thing that you're doing effective and the thing that you were doing last year effective? Because to me, that's the that's the big thing. If the Ravens can do something a little bit different than, than what they were doing last year with the same sets and the same looks, they'll be equally effective, I think, doing what they did last year some of the time, as well as what they're doing out of those same sets. And so 
for those of us that are being critical of Greg Roman, that's what we're asking for. I think in a nutshell, we're asking for just a little bit more creativity. I, I would also like him to get better at passing like route concepts because I think he's miserable at those. Um, but I can even just live with like play call creativity and just understanding that like, and, and maybe they need somebody else on the headset that says that has watched all their, all the last 24 games and says, Hey, this like, uh, this seems like a tendency. I remember you doing this kind of thing. Like have, have Ray Lewis and Enrique consult on that for you on these kind of things. Let that, like there are enough guys, like have Terrell Suggs do it. Like these guys could watch the tape for you and ID the tendencies of what that they would call out from Greg Roman anyway. Right. And you, you should self scout that stuff to begin with. And it doesn't seem like it should be that big of a leap to do those things a little bit better than they've been doing from a play call perspective. Yeah, I mean, how about uh, running on first down as a tendency? It's something that the Ravens have done all year. Um, and I, I know that you have this kind of mindset of, of we got to establish the run, but I I think that it's actually hurt the Ravens quite a quite a deal, um, especially if they're not running effectively. So it doesn't mean you can't run on first down. It just means you can't do it every single time or, or 30 or 60% of the time. Make it like right. a 50 coin flip. I think I saw a stat on this today. Baltimore has called a run play on their first down 64% of the time, which is the second highest rate in the NFL, but they rank 21st in yards per carry at 3.9 on first down. That's not great. No. Yeah, what is the Ravens rank on yards per rush in total? Because I think it's, I think it's much better than that as a team. So like the variance between 21st and I think, I, I mean, I want to say that they're top five in yards per attempt in terms of rushing, but I'm going to pull it up right now. I think their numbers have gone yes. down over the past couple of weeks. They haven't been as effective. Oh, actually they were last year, last week. So this if you week. had to guess what rank the Ravens were in yards per carry this year, what would you guess in what yardage? I would say they're running about 4.8 yards per carry. And, and where would you say that would rank in the league? That's probably good for like fifth in the league. So they're third in the league with 5.1. Okay. They only trail the Cardinals and the Vikings. And Dalvin Cook has been amazing. And Kyler Murray is probably boosting, might like Lamar is, boosting yeah. those numbers. But the gap, so the, so the 1.2 yards between first down and first down and the other down. So, like, yeah. you know, I can't do that math right off the top of my head between those numbers. But, like, that means on second and third downs when they're running the ball, the number is more like probably closer to six. Yeah, and we've seen them be really effective in some of these like third down runs where they where they are being unpredictable, right? Where you're not expecting on uh, a third and five to to have to try and run for a first down. And and you know they did that at times last year, and I thought it was really effective. They're doing it again this year at, at times, and, and it's been effective. But that that's it gets back to what we were saying about predictability. Running on first down, that's the most predictable thing in the world, especially when you're not varying up your your run schemes that much. Um, it's, it's easy to stop, and that puts you behind the sticks. It's making second down bad. The Ravens have been miserable on second down this year. They've they're they're like, you know, efficiency on second down has been one of the worst in in the NFL, and that's because they're being set up to fail from their first down. So you seem to vary the play calling a little bit, and I I know we're kind of like a dead horse here but i think this is important because we saw them vary it in this past game we saw it happen at over halftime and against indianapolis they completely changed what they were doing in the second half when they came out on offense they came out they passed on first down they passed on first down they passed on first down 
they marched down the field like it was no one's business. The Colts looked like they couldn't handle it. The Ravens used tempo. They did things like, you know, they did a couple Lamar Jackson keepers. You know, they, th- they threw in a couple of running plays in there too. It wasn't completely all passing, but they were able to move the ball 75 yards without any issue. Yes, they fumbled it on the inside the five. That's unfortunate, but they looked like they were a completely different team. They came back, they got the ball after the fumble on Marcus Peters' interception. They did the same thing. They marched right down the field and scored a touchdown. And then they did it again. They got the ball and they marched down the field and scored a touchdown. Be- I mean, it, it, it got a little slower um, as the game progressed. They were able to, um, they, they failed, I think, on a couple of third downs where you would have liked to see them. Um, those third and shorts and they weren't able to convert. Um, but overall, the second half, the Ravens offense looked like a completely different offense than what we saw in the first half. They had, I think, like over 200 yards of offense in the second half versus less than like, they had like 55 in the first half, something like that. And like, they were converting first downs, like nobody's business. And it was just some kind of like switch went off and it was them just basically deciding to do a slightly different attack where they were able to, you know, use tempo and then not be so predictable. Absolutely. And honestly, you know, that's the, that's the thing that I'm watching for the most in, in the rest of the season, rest of the regular season. I think it's a foregone conclusion that the Ravens will make the playoffs. It's going to be, really challenging for the Ravens not to make the playoffs in any capacity. And I think if they're in, they're as, as dangerous as any team in the NFL. Um, but that's what they've got to do. And, you know, they wound it up and they looked great in the third quarter and they looked great and er, good in the early fourth quarter. And then I don't know what happened after that, but whatever they were doing, they decided to stop doing it and it went away. And the last two drives of the game were basically two, three and outs. You know, one of them ended up being a field goal because of field position, but um They've got to figure out a way to do that consistently. Uh, you know, when the Ravens got the ball back with 529 left, um, they should have iced that game. That, that should have been one of those situations where they did the exact same thing that they did on those prior drives. They should have picked up those first downs and they should have iced the game and it should have been over at that point. Um, and so that that's what makes me worried about Greg Roman. You know, like like at what point do you think that running three straight times into the into the line is the thing that's going to work there? Um, and you saw how they sold out on the, you know, on the uh, third and goal play that the Ravens ran in for the touchdown before. So why are you running a dive play on third and one, you know, when the game is on the line or not the game wasn't on the line, but when you're trying to put the game away, when a, a couple first down there is going to absolutely demoralize the Colts and put it away. Um, so, you know, to me, that's the thing that's the most important. But um you know, the other interesting thing that I was going to ask you about was Des Bryant, you know, and we saw him on the field for a couple snaps. I, I did a podcast with Film Study and he asked me the odds of Des Bryant. I thought de- the odds of wh- how how many catches Des Bryant would have on the year. Um, and he set the over under. Well, first he set the over under at 0.5. And I said, I would definitely take the under. And then he said, what percent chance do you think it'll be under? And I was like, I was like, I think that there's less than half a percent chance that Des Bryant's even going to catch a pass for the Ravens this year. Um, so I'm pretty impressed that he's even made it onto the field um, and that he already made it onto the active roster. You know, do you think there's going to be a more defined role for him um, in the well, upcoming uh, weeks? Well, Jason Lock and Forrest said that he was going to be a major part of the Ravens offense last week. So somebody gave him some bad information. Oh, yeah. Jason Lock and Forrest is really good at calling stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's sorry. about as good as Vinny Serrato. <laughs> um, I, 
I don't know. Honestly, like I thought that they were going to call him up for a purpose. I thought that they really were going to get him maybe, you know, a handful of plays that he would be at least involved. Um, Obviously that wasn't the case moving forward. It's hard to see what role he has. If the Ravens have, you know, three wide receivers that they like in, in, in Hollywood Brown, Ross Boykin and Devin DuVernay, I think it could be, I mean, so there was some, chatter about DuVernay possibly being um, like a little banged up. I think he had gotten nicked up in practice during the week and it might've been kind of a, um, maybe just a little bit of insurance to have, to have Bryant caught up to be, you know, an extra pass option if DuVernay couldn't go. Um, I'm not sure if that's what happened or not, but moving forward, I, I think he's, I mean, it's difficult to say if he's gonna have a major role I think there's you, you would put him in the over over a half a catch. I'll have him in the over half a catch. I'd probably have him under seven and a half catches on the season. I think he might catch like half dozen balls, but I don't think it's going to be more than that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's released in a couple of weeks. That that would yeah. Be- I, that that's kind of where I am on that. I, I, honestly, I would rather see James Prochet get. Is it James Prochet? I'd rather see Prochet. I think it's James. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see Prochet get catches and a role and a chance in the offense. He's got some wiggle to him and we've seen him like he seemed to be able to do some things in space. And he's had a couple snaps, I think with the offense this year. Um, I just, uh, I I don't get the point of giving him those snaps when you're already taking snaps away from a similar bodied receiver in miles Boykin about why you would then reduce Boykin snaps for Des Bryant. Now maybe he's been great in practice and maybe he adds an element to win one-on-one that we haven't seen from some other Ravens receivers. So that would be welcome. But um, I also think the Ravens receivers actually win one-on-one more than you think. Um, You know, so I'll leave it at that. I I will say about Bryant, and this may not be the case anymore because we haven't really seen him play significant action in what, three years now. But when he was even at the end of his, I guess his last, Phase in Dallas, he was somebody who could win the contested catch. He was somebody who could throw a ball in his vicinity, and he would go make a play on that ball. I don't know if the Ravens have anybody aside from maybe Mark Andrews who can kind of do that. Um, and honestly, Lamar Jackson doesn't really throw those kind of balls. Um, I don't know if it's because he doesn't trust his receivers or if it's just not something that he feels comfortable doing. But if you have someone like Bryant, maybe you can have that as an element in certain situations. And that could be something that the Ravens want to see if Jackson can do, um, you know, maybe work on some of those, you know, those, those outside like corner routes, those fades, those comebacks, um, something that is more than just speed um, on the outside to be able to pick up uh, a first down in, in, a, in a kind of a, in a clutch situation. So I don't know, I'm not re- willing to completely write off Bryant I don't think his role is going to be very large, um, but I think there's a chance that he does have a role. Um, but yeah, I just don't think he's going to be much, um, or he's not going to be like a, a, a difference maker in terms of what makes the offense like be good. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I think Lamar will throw some of those contested balls to Andrews. Um, so, you know, that would be, I, he just, he, he seems to refuse to, to his wide receivers. And I think for Hollywood, that's somewhat understandable, even though he's made some great catches in traffic 
when the Ravens have been chasing in terms of the score, like in the Tennessee game last year. And I think Lamar should, and, and in the Arizona game last year as well. Um, I think Lamar should trust him a little bit more in some of those situations, but um, at the same time, you know, I think you're right that, you know, I, I don't think, I still don't think he's going to get a catch. I don't think that there are enough, there are enough throws to go around, but I'm also digging my heels in on my less than half a percent chance that I also thought he would catch a pass. So I've got to, I've got to stick to my guns here, but um you know, I think the offense is the thing that we're all watching, not necessarily maybe, you know, let's talk about this upcoming Patriots game, maybe not necessarily for this upcoming Patriots game, um, but but for the rest of the season and, and how that plays out heading into the to the postseason. But, you know, you look at this Patriots team and um, they came back against Joe Flacco again la- uh, last night, um, you know, or I guess Monday night, sorry, um, you know. They barely beat the Jets. And I think that that's that's the starting point of the conversation of of how we head into the Patriots game this week. Yeah, I I don't think the Patriots are a good team. Um, (laughs) Obviously, their record says they're not a good team. They their play on the field indicates that they're not a good team. They are missing a lot of good players. Um, some, Some of their team, you know, checked out because of COVID. Stefan Gilmore has missed some time. Um, I don't know who you look at on the roster and you're like, that's the person that we are worried about really on either side of the ball. Um, I, I guess on the defensive side of the ball, if Gilmore's playing, you know, he's the person you don't throw at, um, but they don't have really elite talent on the defensive line at linebacker. Um, you know, their secondary is good. I, I wouldn't say it's the same level that we've seen in, in recent years from, from the Patriots. Um, and on offense, I think the, the, the best part of their de- their whole team is probably their offensive line. I think their offensive line has actually played pretty well. Um, Cam Newton has, has been really up and down um, this, this year. He's had some really good games, and he's had some games where he just looks really bad. Um, they, they have some interesting running backs, I think. That's probably the strength of their team is running the ball. They don't really have anybody that worries you passing or in the passing attack. So they have no tight end to speak of. And I think Jacoby Myers is probably their leading receiver. So he might also be a lawyer. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, it's, I, I don't know. I think this is a team that the Ravens are going to hopefully just build on what, from what we saw last, last, last week against the Colts, you know, try some new things on offense, throw some wrinkles, maybe put some different things on film. Um, I think I think their defense should really just not allow the, the the Patriots to be able to move the ball effectively. Newton is probably going to have to use his legs to get any kind of you know consistent um, drives going, and I'm, I'm not sure that he has that ability anymore. So anyway, that's my opinion on the game. I think it's probably going to be another boring Ravens game that they win by you know 20 points. Yeah, we nice LA lawyer, uh, billboard lawyer plug there <laughs> for any, any of you out there listening on the West Coast, um, or particularly in LA, then you'll know exactly why I laughed at that joke. Um, they're everywhere, but you know, I, I you know, it's hard to disagree with you about the your assessment of this New England team. I mean, I think it's interesting in the sense that there were a couple different people have said that this past Colts game bared some similarities to the Seattle game last year in that in the first half, it was close. It was sloppy. I, I don't think they were losing in the first half of the Seattle game last year, um, but the game felt within reach and there was still kind of 
that was before the Peters, um, the Peters pick six in that game. And I think it was still just, just kind of close overall. Um, if I recall, yeah, they went to half tied at 13, 13. Um, and so the Ravens obviously turned the tide after that ended up winning the game 30 to 16. And that, that was, that was kind of the taking off point of the Ravens season in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I think leading up to that, you had the two losses in weeks three and four, you had the overtime win against Pittsburgh, which was really not all that impressive. And then only a six point win against Cincinnati. Um, so and I know we're talking about the Patriots. So the corollary here is the game after that Seattle game, which was supposed to be the bout of the MVPs and Seattle was considered a major contender at the, at that point. And was all season, you know, the Ravens really took off in the new England game um, and never really looked back from it. Looking back at the schedule right now to make this point about the Seattle new England game that I was going to make it. What's so interesting about that to me is how similar last season kind of looks on paper to this season of Baltimore. Um, I've certainly been, like I said, I started this podcast out. Like I have the last five podcasts being critical of this Ravens team. Um, but I forgot about the overtime win against Pittsburgh. I forgot about the squeaker home win against Cincinnati. Um, and the, both of those wins came on the heels of the losses, um, in the Kansas city and Cleveland game. And I definitely did not feel like going into the Seattle game after that Cincinnati game, that the Ravens were going to be this dominant team as of week seven. Um, and so I think the other ironic part about that to me is the bye week would have been week eight before the New England game, except it got switched this year um, because of because of the Steelers and kind of what ha- or because of the Titans, what happened with that COVID situation. Um, so I think there are some real similarities between there being a potential inflection point in this game for the Ravens and what they put on film and what they do and how they control this game in New England is going to say a lot about who this team is and how it moves forward. Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of um, truth to what you're saying. And I don't know if this team has the same upside that last year's team simply because of the offensive line, like we talked about. Um, But there could be a different way to achieve that upside. And it could be, you know, using slightly better offensive scheme, unlocking Lamar Jackson in a different way, Um, you know, finding ways to work in the passing game more, more effectively and work the running game more effectively. Um, I think if Lamar Jackson is able to more effectively pass the ball to receivers um, and kind of spread the field that way vertically and horizontally with his arm, that will give more running lanes for the, for the rush game. So I think that would be the direction that I would try to take. I would, I would say, you know, you don't have to necessarily, you know, throw 20, 30 yards down the field on a regular basis. But I think if you can use Jackson's ability to maybe pass through on the run, like we've seen him throw really accurately on the run at times this year, get him to roll out and hit some receivers. And then you also have a run option, you know, get him um, move the pocket a little bit, um, you know, do some of these um bootlegs like we saw last week you had a keeper but you could also pass off that so i think you could do things like that um i think the quick hitting passing game um you can do obviously you can use play action use the rpos um i just think a lot of these things need to be better incorporated and if you do that then i think the offense will start to click more effectively and we still have half a season like you said you know the ravens offense wasn't the ravens offense until they had that really great game against 
New England, I know obviously they had a great week one game, but they kind of petered out after that. I think you have an entire second half of the season in which you can get things going. And this year, unlike last year, I think the Ravens defense is better prepared um, to, I mean, not, not taking away anything from the Ravens defense last year because they actually played really well in the second half of the season. But I think this defense is a lot more talented than what, what the Ravens had last year. Um, and I think that, you know, you put all those things together and you could be priming for another potential Super Bowl run. Um, it's just a matter of, of can you put it together more consistently on offense? The defense has shown that they're going to be there. So this could be a game where, you know, the Ravens go out and put 40 points on the board and, you know, we start feeling a lot better about their chances down the road. But I think until we see it, we're not going to have that level of confidence. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that I want to see this upcoming week more than anything has to do with Bill Belichick and what the Patriots are going to try and do to Lamar. You know, I have a lot of respect for Bill Belichick and how he approaches football games, how he tries to take away the things that other teams are doing when he tries to attack teams' weaknesses on both sides of the ball. That's that's really everything is kind of game plan game to game, team to team built. And I think that's a really effective way to be successful in the NFL. Um, I don't think anybody does it quite like that in the NFL, though I think the Chiefs did that to the Ravens when they played them last, that it was very clear that the Chiefs had keyed on both sides of the ball on certain things that they were going to specifically try and attack in a very Belichick kind of way. Um, I do find it very ironic that Belichick is doing terribly and Brady is doing at least better than average um, apart from each other. That, that kind of just the fact that there is kind of a conversation about who was making whom better uh, makes me a little happy on the inside. Um, But I want to see what Bill Belichick tries to do to Lamar Jackson. I want to see how Greg Roman counters that. And I want to see how he prepares for what that looks like to me. Now is the time just so maybe even up to week eight, maybe what they were doing is they weren't being team specific. They weren't doing these kind of things. Now is the time to start practicing it. Now is the time to get ready for the Tennessee game and doing that. Now is the time to get ready and do that for the, the following game, which will be the Steelers game. Those two, the next in that sense, the next three games are probably the most three important games that are left on the Ravens schedule, simply because the next two games in this game is barely included in that, but simply because the next two games are going to have basically everything to do with whether or not the Ravens have a chance to win the AFC North and whether or not they have some kind of outside chance if peculiar things happen at the one seat. Um, you know, for the most part, I think that's off the table, but these next three, after the next three games, you get Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, New York, and Cincinnati. I mean, between them, I think Cleveland's won as many games as the rest of those teams combined. <laughs> That's a little a, a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. Um, and so, you know, with the way all that kind of works out, that's what I'm going to be watching for in particular for this week's game. I think it's going to be it should be a blowout. I haven't I haven't predicted a really big Baltimore win since um, I think since the Washington football team game and being disappointed in that game and kind of the outcome of that, I've just wasn't ready to kind of say that that's the team that I think that this Ravens team was anymore. Um, so now is the time for us to see some of those wrinkles, but 
On the other side of the ball, I think Wink has done that. I think we've seen game plans change. I think we've seen him adjust and be unpredictable and do things a little bit differently, except for the Chiefs game, where he continued to do the blitzes, the exotic blitzes, to continue to get after Mahomes when they weren't getting there and he was shredding them, and he would continue to do it. He needed to back off in that game. But frankly, I think he learned his lesson. And he said, okay, in certain situations, this is what I have to do and what I don't have to do. And I I think he's adjusted from that. Hopefully Greg Roman is at that same point in, in, in his mindset and moving forward. Yeah, I think um, you're right in that what we need to see is that kind of, you know, game by game attack the opponent weakness kind of mentality from the Ravens offense, because that's really the way that you can get beyond some of the limitations in your, in your personnel by using scheme and using the game plan to your advantage. And I don't think we've seen a whole lot of that going into games. I think we've started to see that mid game in adjustments. Um, I think, you know, I think Roman has done really well the past two games. Um, in the second half against the Steelers after, you know, you lose Ronnie Stanley, they figured out how to use that run game and they found a weakness in, in the Steelers' defense, and they just kept attacking it, and they didn't really have an, an answer for it. Um, and, and the Ravens were moving the ball up and down the field against what a lot of people considered to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. And then, you know, again, against the, the Colts, the Colts are also one of the better defenses in the NFL. They've, they've played really well this year. And, you know, obviously the Ravens didn't have a great game plan going into the game. I think they did try to do some creative things in the first half and a lot of it just didn't work from an execution standpoint. So they might've, I, w- I would kind of give an A for effort, but kind of an F for failure in terms of execution. But in the second half, they just they had a different plan of attack. And I think that was a very good sign for things to come. If we can, you know, consider maybe this is something that can be worked into the game plan and, and the week leading up to the game instead of having to figure it out on the fly. Um, maybe expect that the team that you're facing is going to try and, you know, take away the run because that's what you have been trying to do and attack them differently. I think we can use a, you know, a game that happened this past week as a perfect example of that. So the Buffalo Bills played the Seattle Seahawks and the Seahawks went into that game and tried to take away the Bills run that's p carroll even said that in after the game and his um in his comments he was like you know we had a game plan to defend their run and then they just passed the ball they just kept passing the ball and the bills put four, what, 44 on the seahawks because they attacked where the seahawks are bad the seahawks had a horrible secondary and the bills attacked them so that's the kind of thing that you want to see from your from your offensive coordinator from your from you know your coaching staff that they're able to identify the weakness of a team and and figure out a way to attack it. And I think against New England, you know, I'm not, I don't even know what their weakness is on defense. They have a pretty solid defense. I think you probably want to, uh, you know, attack them over the middle a little bit. They don't have great linebackers. I think you can attack them on the edges. Um, I think you can run on them, but I think you can also pass on them. I think you just want to have a varied game plan and you don't want to do anything that is going to give away um, or, or just, you don't want to do anything that's going to be like tendency driven. So you need to know, like you said earlier, you need to be able to self scout and say, 
this is what we're expecting or what other teams are expecting us to do. And we're going to do something differently. And that's how I think you can beat a team like the the Patriots on, on defense. And I think, you know, maybe last year they, they had a great idea of how to attack them. And I don't know if that's going to work again this year, but I would like to say, I, I hope that, you know, the Ravens will have a good game plan and will be able to attack them. Um, and I think that would, could lead to a, a nice win. Yeah. I'm, and again, I'm not less worried about the outcome and, and kind of what's going to happen as a result of this with team. And I'm much more interested in process. Um, the more I think about the, the, this idea of tailoring game plans and like being individually prepared for games, this was the problem in the Titans game last year, unequivocally 100%. I think the Ravens just thought that that offensive system and scheme that they had worked up was going to continue to work and that they were going to be able to kind of bulldoze and run by people. But I'm sure that there were people kind of before the Titans got to the Ravens scouting the Ravens just because that's what the NFL teams have enough people that they can do that. And then they had that week to prepare where they were specifically just keying in on Lamar. And in these must-win situations, you change how you approach and take away those parts of the game. And then you got what you got as a result of that. So if the, if that's the problem and the hurdle that the Ravens need to overcome, then they need to, need to be able to come up with game plans in these situations that are going to overcome teams overcompensating for those things. And I think what you see now is teams overcompensating for Lamar every single week. Yeah. absolutely trying to take him away in terms of his ability to run on the ground, particularly to the edges. I mean, runs last year that were picking up first downs or getting to the like one or two yards are only going three or four yards when Lamar's running out of bounds this year. Now, I don't want Lamar to stay in bounds. I want him to take the three or four yards and get out of bounds. But I do wonder that when he, he if he got to the hash and he cut up the field, put a, a foot in the ground and went up the field to change that tendency, whether or not he'd have more success now, because those guys are essentially running as fast as they can to the out of bounds line because they know that's where Lamar's running to. Right. And I think that, you know, obviously they know there's help behind them. Again, I don't want Lamar to run into the open field and get tackled. I want him to go out of bounds. I want it to be a foot race. I'm fine with that. Um, I only use that as an example to say that that's like that's the case where you see teams attacking the Ravens differently than they were last year. I think the teams were worried about Lamar cutting back inside and getting up the field. So don't do it in the, this Patriots game and don't do it in the Cleveland game or the New, New York Jets Giants game or the Cowboys game or the Bengals game. But maybe do it in the Titans game. Maybe do it in the Steelers game. Definitely do it in the playoffs. Change your tendencies and attack where you think the teams are going to be kind of keying in and doing certain things. The other part is when you replicate plays and run them for a second time, vary them and and make the first read a different guy. Show a look, but then go completely in the, the other direction. Um, there's a lot that they can do with that. I hope to see all of that in this Patriots game. And that'll be how I evaluate this game really on both sides of the ball more than individual performances. Exempting maybe guys like Duvernay or Metabuke or Harrison, um, Queen, some of the younger guys, if they have really great games or let's say Tremont Williams plays a lot, has a really good game, I want to see that. But other than, other than that, how the Ravens scheme, how they call these games, that's what I'm going to be looking for most this week. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, I, I do think that the Patriots are still one of the better teams at doing that kind of thing, at, at scouting and, and knowing what other teams want to do and trying to take that away. Um, you know, it's hard to say that 
the Belichick is still throwing his, his heater the same as he was um, when, when you have a team like the Jets, they're able to move the ball as, as easily as they seem to. Um, I, I, I think that they, maybe they didn't take into consideration the fact that you know, Joe Facco is still a decent quarterback and he was able to beat him over the top a couple of times. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, if, if they give Lamar similar chances, he can do that as well. And, and I wonder if this is a game where the Ravens do try and attack downfield a little bit more um, because they really haven't been doing that at all in the past couple of weeks. Um, they've almost completely taken that out of their game. Uh, something that we saw a lot earlier in the season where, you know, they were taking a number of shots to like to Hollywood in particular. Um, I think that that could be an element where they are able to really attack a team, especially if Gilmore's out. So we'll, we'll see what the Ravens choose to do. Um, I'm not exactly sure how, how the Patriots are going to try to defend Lamar this time around. Um, but I think that it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what we do there. Yeah, one more closing thought before we wrap up here. Uh, the Ravens brought in um, Luke Wilson for a tryout this week. And, and you know, I've been on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com on the forum. I've said a couple times that I think the Ravens miss Hayden Hurst more than they thought they would. Um, the dynamic of what he did as a pass catcher um, as the second tight end, I think they're lacking. But I think that actually making Boyle do more in his role and not be in the third third kind of blocker, like sometimes pass catcher role, and then moving Ricard into that role and having him less in the fullback role as well. I think that the cascade effect of those downstream has been significant too. I think if they could bring in a guy like Luke Wilson or even one of these other tight ends that they've had that can dual role what Boyle was doing last year um, and let Ricard do more of what he was doing last year as well. I think that there's more success to be found in the offensive to, offense too, because we talked a little bit about the offensive line changing, but we didn't really talk about how those tight end sets changed as well. So I'm interested to see if the Ravens start to carry a third tight end, or I know, I think is Eli Wolf still on the practice squad. I think the Ravens have got a tight end or two on the practice squad. Um, so whether or not they start to try and bring one of those guys up, um, it's obviously on their mind and it's been something that they've been thinking about if they're trying out a guy like, um, Luke Wilson. Yeah, I do think that they are a little less kind of multiple on offense because they don't have that third tight end. They've been leaning a lot on Patrick Ricard and he doesn't have that same ability, um, as, as a pass catcher, someone who can, you know, go over the middle of the field. I mean, he's like, you can throw him a dump off or on like a, a quick little wheel route. He's done that a couple of times. But he's not someone you can rely on to run a route or to kind of get open um, in, in an actual, you know, an actual like passing concept. That's not that's not something that he's going to do. So I think they do miss Hurst for sure. Um, you know, I think he had like what thirty catches last year. It, it wasn't a a non-zero number. And Ravens for a team that didn't pass the ball that much. Like he was, I think, was he the like third or fourth leading pass catcher? I want to say on the Ravens team last year, and they didn't do anything to replace him. And you know, maybe they can use their their slot receivers a little bit more, um, kind of in that role. But defenses don't have to adjust personnel to a slot receiver like they do to a tight end who can actually you know block as well. Um, and he gave the Ravens the ability to to be. Um, 
a good passing team with two or three tight ends on the field and also be a good running team with two or three tight ends on the field. And that's what you really want to do. Make defense pick personnel and then choose how to attack that personnel based off of, you know, what what is in your best interest. So, you know, you know, if they go in a sub package and you have like three tight ends, you're gonna run on them. But if they have, you know, their base defense, then you can pass on it. And that's something that I don't think that Ravens have been able to really take advantage of this year with this personnel that they have. Yep. So, you know, less interesting week, I think, from a game on the schedule than we thought before the season started. But um, I think there will be a lot to learn from this game um, coming up from the Ravens. So any picks for players of the game? Again, I I think we think it's not going to be particularly close, but you want to take a guy on offensive defense? Um, I think offense, we're going to have Mark Andrews have a big game. He's been quiet, relatively quiet for the past few weeks. Um, I could see him, you know, having one of those two touchdown 80-yard performances. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown. Um, He seems like a guy that the Ravens want to get involved, and there's been more of a focus, and they want to see kind of those big impact games out of him. And if they want to use him as a threat like that, this seems like the kind of game to unleash him, um, to put those stats up. I mean, I think they had that asset in the Miami game last year where teams were more worried about Hollywood Brown than they are right now about this year. So I think there's going to have to be a game where the Ravens really just focus on him and make teams really worry about him as a, a, a value kind of receiver. And maybe that's already happening on film, um, but but I'll go with Hollywood. All right. On defense, I'm going to say this is a game where Matt Judon really shows up and, and has a big game. Um, actually, I think, you, I think you pick Matt Judon every time. That's not true. I've picked Marcus Peters at least once. I take that back. I'll take away my Matt Judon pick. I will go with Yannick Ngakwe. I think this is the game where he's the person who, I think it's going to be an edge guy. I think someone's going to have like a two or three sack performance. And I think Cam Newton gets hit like 20 times. Yeah. I, you know, the only reason I was thinking Yannick as well, um, or Yannick, I believe it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, I Sorry. believe I was thinking unique as well, but I think he, he strikes me as the type of guy that's going to have a harder time bringing Cam down um, just due to his size. Um, and Cam is more like Ben and he's going to shrug tackles and kind of do that kind of thing. I also don't think we're going to see New England throw the ball a lot. Um, so as a result of that, I'm going to go with Patrick Queen. I think it's going to be one of those games where he has just a boatload of tackles um, and does a lot, but there's that's like a high risk, high reward pick, because if there's a guy that I was looking to attack and I was Bill Belichick, the guy I'd be looking to exploit with kind of deceptive looks would be Patrick Queen, which is exactly what the Chiefs did. Um, and I don't think he's cleaned up his over pursuit um, and, and kind of desire to make whatever he wants to have happen, happen instead of letting the game come to him, which he has the speed and the skill and the talent to let that happen. And once he does that, he's going to be unstoppable. Um, but that's, that's the thing holding him back as a player right now. But I think, I think they're going to run the ball a lot. And I think he's going to be involved in, in, a, in involved a lot because of that too. Yeah. I, I could see that him being a player that's highly involved. I don't know if we know the status of, of Fort for this week, but I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see how much Harrison plays because I think he played, like you said, really well last year, last week. Um, and I think that, you know, he and he and Queen are definitely the future. And I think that's a pretty bright future for the Ravens linebackers. 
Yeah. So I think we 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 think we know what's going to happen this week. So hopefully nothing too crazy will happen. Um, Vegas must think otherwise because they've only got this line at seven. So you know if there was if there was any you know I know it's in New England, but they're on a short week. If there was ever any you know that feels like a really good line to take. And the Ravens also you know have won most of their games by more than seven, especially against teams that are as bad as uh, New England. So um, if you want to talk about it or the game, check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com. Um, you can message us on the forum there. You can also catch us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week and let's go Ravens.